is this fake sire is this this Hades costume is the stinkiest costume on this brand <laughs> babies are often very useless when you need to get things done take a puff do you fear Bing Bong is a sus individual anchors away Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Um, Kyle, we have reached the end of another year. Mm. Uh, we have we have been a part of parts of, I want to say, four years now in, in the Disney verse, yeah. 19, yeah. 20, 21, 22. Uh, and, and, we, and we've seen the world change so much in this time. I mean, we talk about how when we started this podcast, we didn't even have Disney Plus to watch these movies. <laughs> we, we were going to cartoonsxyz.com to stream <laughs> Sleeping Beauty, bro. Uh, and so uh, it's always fun to go back and as we end the year, or I guess as as people are listening to this, as we start a new year, kind of look back on the year that was and and all that Disney had to offer us in the calendar year 2022. Yeah, man, it's it's been just a, a crazy amount of change. And let me go ahead and say Mouse Madness does not want you going to XYZ cartoons, especially if your computer is not Hey, properly don't, secured don't do uh please don't do that uh, that it. is a dangerous way to go about it uh watch your stuff on disney plus but yes it's what a year it's been change with us and how we operate at this show change with the disney company through and through and i'm i'm just so excited to be talking this bracket the best disney thing of 2022 we're the annual show that we do every single time i look forward to this every year because some years power packed other mm. years not so much but what are we going to find out? And I, <laughs> I'm excited to see what we crown. And while things change, one thing remains constant. It's having our boy Mike Yay. come on to the podcast to guest host these year and brackets. Mike, welcome back. What's up, guys? Florida man back for 2023. <laughs> Florida man's clocking in. I love it. Florida man. Hey, I, I love when you come on to do this show because you bring that East Coast perspective. Like we, There's not a whole lot of... East Coastness that we can get into. Chris, this year, 2022, was the I'm year big of, East Coast, of guy, man. East Coast Parks, <laughs> Chris, and you'll be able to back him up a little bit. But 2022, for you, Mike, in this Disney sphere, how'd it go? How, how'd 2022 treat you? Wow. Um, it was really, really good. I had some really cool days at parks. I think I did every Epcot festival. Oh, I did. Uh, I did a Disney 5K at Animal Kingdom. That was really cool. Oh, dude, run Disney! Yeah, that was a first for me. It was really fun. I highly suggest it for anybody thinking about it. Um, got to do this thing at Magic Kingdom where it's like a cast only deal where they kept the park open till like one thirty in the morning. So that was yeah. really cool. But yeah, lots of fun times at the parks and then everything else Disney adjacent kind of about it too. Yeah, love it. And we have a lot of fun times ahead of us here in this first part one of the best Disney 2022 thing. So let's get started. Chris, spoonful of sugar time. And uh, 
We did something a little special for Spoonful hey, of Sugar this hey. time around. Go ahead and let people know what we did. We're classing it up here. Oh. If there's one New Year's tradition we love, it's it's that champagne flowing on mm. New Year's Eve. And, and so we all got ourselves a little bit of champagne to enjoy. Yes, we uh, did. I pick some up. It is the season. We have to celebrate accordi- accordingly. So all three of us, we're rocking the same spoonful of sugar, and it's a little bit of champagne, a little bit of bubbly. I guess it's not necessarily champagne because it's not French. I think technically it's <laughs> We've got some Prosecco wine. in yeah, our, okay. uh, in our right. glasses right. here. Let's call it champagne. But we want to go ahead and give a little toast All to right. 2022, the year that was Disney. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Mike, I like your your cup there. You've got the, the Hercules 25th anniversary mug over there. I like that. Had to do it. Had to do it to us. I like it. All right, Prosecco in hand. Uh, in order to find out what 16 Disney things we'd be breaking down to find the best of 2022, we had to choose a demographic. We sent our interns back into the park, back into the throngs of guests during the holiday season. And they were searching out people who are already buying up the 2023 Disneyland Resort merch. Mm. That stuff drops at the beginning of December, and we sent our people into the parks to find the folks who are ready to jump into 2023 and ask them what their favorite things of 2022 were. So they gave us a ton of them. And of course, only 16 can make it, which means that we have some that missed the dance. Chris, what missed the dance for 2022? As Disney has slowly kind of shifted their focus as a company to being a content powerhouse, uh, there was a lot of content to choose from. Uh, Disney, The Disney Fandom Wiki had a very helpful article that kind of outlined the year that was 2022 in the Disney company, and it was so content heavy. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I just wrote down like the things I felt were relevant, and it was still just almost entirely content. And uh, obviously not all of that content can make it onto this bracket. So one thing that didn't quite make it was a theatrical release. And that release was Lightyear. Uh, Ah. This is one of the two Pixar films that came out this year. One that I think kind of came and went very unceremoniously for a lot of Disney fans. I saw it in theaters. Uh, I watched it on the airplane. So I got a couple, couple viewings under my belt. But it was, it was good, not great. It was, it was, I, I thought, a worthy Disney film to have in the library. I thought that they did the concept justice. Uh, whether or not that concept was something that needed to be done is another argument <laughs> entirely. But uh, if, you, if you missed Lightyear this year, i check it out. Nice low stakes watch. If you're looking for something to throw on while you're on your phone or something in front of your TV, uh, it's cool. Great animation, great voice acting. Yes. Highly recommend. The other one is, uh, is a little kind of content type that Disney isn't really jumping into very often, but they took a big old swing mm. in 2022 by dropping Dreamlight Valley on uh, most major gaming platforms. Uh, I did a full review of Dreamlight Valley on our Patreon over at Jerry's Gang. Dreamlight Valley, super fun game, kind of like a life simulator game that involves uh, you uh, creating a character and running around the fictional world of Dreamlight Valley, interacting with your favorite Disney characters, doing things like mining and fishing and gardening and farming and all questing for Maui and Moana to catch all the fish so that they go, whatever. <laughs> it's a pretty fun game. Uh, the, 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 to sum it up, I think I said it's a great game if you're a Disney fan who wants to game, but if you're a gamer who also likes Disney, you might be disappointed because right. uh, it's, it's hella glitchy, bro. 
so those are my two Disney things of 2022 that missed the dance. Kyle, what about you? And to plug Jerry's Gang again, I think we did a light year review. Uh, so if you want to hear our full yeah. thoughts on that, Jerry's Gang, we've hey. got you. Uh, first for me is the Beauty and the Beast live celebration that they did for its 30th. Uh, and I think that this missed the dance because we've talked often on the show about how awful the Little Mermaid live was. And so I was very afraid to watch this Beauty and the Beast uh, live celebration with her as Belle and Josh Groban as the Beast. And let me tell you, it was pretty good. Hmm. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I think the renditions of their songs were fantastic. They did something that Little Mermaid didn't, which is intersperse some of the animated film to tell the story in a truncated way. But then not just perform the songs, they did entire like Broadway numbers for the songs, as well as some of the moments. So Maurice getting attacked by the wolves, they did on stage in this very creative Broadway-like way. And so I just really appreciated it. I thought they did it fantastic, a fantastic job of it. Uh, And so go watch it. It's another one of those kind of watches where you don't have to be completely invested, but it's going to catch your eye throughout. And I thought they did a good job. And my second one uh, I mentioned on our uh, Jerry's Gang end of year award show, but it's the uh, the new shop in Disneyland, the uh, Eudora's Boutique and uh, Tiana's Gourmet stuff uh, in New Orleans Square. I think it's just a, a great back to basics moment for Disney Imagineering where they felt like they didn't necessarily need to launch a huge e-ticket ride, but they can still do a little something to spruce up that magic in New Orleans Square and tie it to the new Tiana attraction that's coming to replace Splash Mountain. So, Mike, anything that missed the dance for you? Those are really good ones, actually. Um, <laughs> I can only think of one that missed the dance for me, and it's the new Disney movie, Strange World. It ah. just dropped on Disney+. Plus. Um, it did come out in theaters as well. But uh, I thought it was actually pretty solid all around. Hmm. Not the best, but I thought it was pretty solid and might might have snuck in there for a 16 seed maybe but hmm. really good cast jake gyllenhaal dennis quaid gabrielle union lucy Liu, alan tudyk <laughs> i mean <laughs> alan I, tudyk I making a, noises i'm sure yeah that's the, what the he swiss army knife uh, voice actors <laughs> alan tudyk. he is he's literally the voice of like a blob of course okay <laughs> in true alan alan tudyk fashion so but that's really all i got ready for this bracket though yeah, let's let's get into it. Um, let's 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 just do it. Cue that dramatic music. I'm gonna go ahead and take us away. Guess who's back? Iger at the number one seed is Bob Iger's return. Coming in at number two, tighten up for Andor. You spin me right round, right round at the number three seed. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. We do talk about the number four seed. It's We Don't Talk About Bruno reaching at number one on the Billboard Pop Charts. The number five seed says Bonjour. It's Disneyland Paris's 30th anniversary celebration. It's about time someone checks in on the number six seed. It's Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Number seven is Going Full Panda. It's Turning Red. Leaving us at tears at the number eight spot is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Projections and fireworks galore at the number nine seed. It's momentous from Hong Kong Disneyland. 
Hamming it up at number 10 is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Letting us down at the number 11 seed is the D23 Expo. Setting sail at number 12, it's Disney Wishes Maiden Voyage. Having an identity crisis at the number 13 seed is Moon Knight. Punching up from the number 14 spot is Miss Marvel. Born again at the 15 seed is the rebirth of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And rounding out the bracket in the arms of the angels <laughs> is the number 16 seed. It's the closure of Disneyland's Toontown. Michael, uh, looking at these 16 seeds, uh, you seeing any tough matchups or any early favorites on here? I mean, I am a Disney World guy, so, you know, Cosmic Rewind is uh, something sure. to look out for. Mm-mm. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I, w- I went ahead and sent you a text right after I wrote that one for the first time, and uh, <laughs> I can't wait to recreate that discussion in real life right now. But uh, I'll go ahead and start things off with our first sure. matchup. It's number one, the return of Bob Iger versus number 16, the closure of, of Toontown. Uh, what an interesting uh, matchup because we have a death versus a resurrection here right. uh, in the first matchup. Um, I, it is very interesting to me that this Iger return comes in at the number one seed. Uh, I think that's just maybe a testament to kind of how people thought about Disney in 2022 and how people hope to think about Disney in 2023. Uh, Bob Chapek uh, made our list of like Best thing of 2020, maybe, maybe, uh, or something. Uh, and, uh, I remember every time we talk about him, I'm, I'm always kind of like, I'm not really a Bob Chapek defender, but I'm always kind of like, let's slow down. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's just wait for some more things to happen. Uh, we got to wait for some of his projects to, to rise to the top, some things to be done, whatever. Um, but uh, he ultimately did not get the chance for a lot of that stuff to happen. No. Uh, and his legacy will mostly be remembered as the guy who implemented Genie Plus uh, <laughs> okay. and, and made the parks experience feel kind of like a price gouge. Yep. But back comes Bob Iger. Uh, it took long enough. The primary, what what are they called? Like the board or the yeah, yeah, yeah the board, the board. They finally kind of realized that Chapex presence is hurting more than helping. They said uh, enough is enough. They we cannot it, keep we this man. It, it and it doesn't even really have to do with what he's doing. It's how people think about him. Yes, uh, and everyone ultimately just kind of collectively decided. It's this man's fault. Uh, This man is the reason that Disney is the way that it is. Uh, And the the board saw that and they were like, all right, stock price is is lower than we want it to be. uh, And I guess we need a scapegoat. And that scapegoat is going to be Bob Chapek. Uh, we, we saw him go through the Hail Mary Bob Chapek rebrand. Uh, got himself a little <laughs> spray tan and started growing a little bit of scruff At to, make himself, to make himself look a little bit less like a human thumb. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, to no avail. No. Uh, Bob Iger stepped in uh, about a month ago. Uh, he, it was announced while we were doing Jerry's gang trivia. Hey, how about our third Jerry's gang plug of the night already? Yeah, but, there it is. Uh, Bobby Iger came back and, uh, and we think he's here for a couple years while they probably try and, um, create his 
successor in the lab somewhere. Yep, exactly. Uh, clone him to clone and make him a little Bobby somewhere. running around. Yeah, and so, uh, I don't know. Bob Iger, to me, like the things that he's done since then, it, it hasn't really been a whole lot. He hasn't like rolled back a lot of the things that Chapek implemented or his team implemented, uh, but a lot of it has just been him trying to like uh, regain some of that trust with yes. with the Disney customer base. Uh, things like sending what appear to be personalized emails uh, to the Disney or the D twenty three yeah members yep. it was right to me just yeah was, just directly hey, to you and just I was like, hey, hey Bob what do you, you want to chat about and and this Bob Iger gives this sort of energy um, that it's like I'm I'm the cool dad. You know, yes. like I'm the dad that says yes to everything. I'm the dad that spoils my kid and looks really good doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. The the aspirational dad and, and Bob Chapek, you know, he was kind of the, the uncle that you see at the holidays that he's never really done anything, but you just don't like him very much. It's just, <laughs> it's just the way that he is. So, um, Bob Iger, again, like being the number one, it, it feels more symbolic than, like actually there's a lot of evidence to support him being people a top seed. People yeah, I mean, were people hype are, people at the people time of the survey, sure. you know? Big news. Uh Toontown closure. Another one that's kind of like, all right, uh the closure itself probably not uh, a, a great I mean to some it might be a great thing, but uh, I think more so what comes out of the closure is probably what we're most looking forward to. Uh yeah. Toontown was an area in Disneyland in California that has needed a refresh for a while. Uh, which is interesting considering uh, it was a 90s uh, expansion or late 80s expansion. Yeah, 93. 93. And so uh, there are so many other areas in Disneyland that have aged better than this recent edition. I don't know. I mean, maybe they just kind of leaned into that plasticky 90s cartoon aesthetic a little bit too strong. And and that's just not, it's just not, not the vibe anymore. So yeah. Um, we, we've got a ton of stuff lined up for this, um, Toontown 2.0, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we've got some, some, uh, kind of interactive play area, uh, that's going to be good for the kiddos. Uh, Centennial we've got park cent- is what they're naming thank you. it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and you've got, uh, of course, Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway. I mean, that's really kind of the, the big. big ride that's coming through and, and it's a ride that's desperately needed. You know, we need, we need what some of those kind of mid tier, B ticket, C ticket type experiences to to keep folks away from uh, some of the E tickets just to to balance things out a little bit. You can't be going to the Toontown cul-de-sac just to visit Mick in his basement and ride Roger Rabbit. Like you need a little bit something more if you're going to add a dead end. Yeah. So, I mean, these are two very difficult things to to judge. I think Uh, neither of them really feel like things of 2022. I, I, I will say, though, I think the thing that I'm more optimistic about is probably the Toontown uh, closure. I mean, I'm not putting any of my eggs in Bob Iger's basket to, to quote unquote, save the Disney company in any way. Yeah. Um, but I really am kind of looking forward to what they do with this space. I mean, I love me a Parks Edition uh, in any way, shape or form. So I'm actually going to go with the upset here with, with the 16 seat. Uh, I think Toontown was due for a closure for a long time uh, and, and and we got it. So let's go. Yeah. I'm not celebrating a CEO on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just not doing it. Uh, Bob Iger comes back. Bob Iger is a man of the 2010s. He is not a thing of 2022. Uh, the reinvestment into the parks and 
it feels like a 2020s thing. We're getting more attractions over on the East Coast. We're now seeing some reinvestment into the parks on the West Coast. We're seeing that things are starting to change. It's kind of all in that, you know, here here I I haven't said this in a long time, but what would Walt do? Uh, he, he said that he didn't want this stuff to be a museum. And here we're seeing it finally changing. We're seeing some change with Spa- Splash Mountain. We're right on the heels of the end of the Galaxy's Edge kind of edition. And now we can focus on things that need improvement. First and foremost is Toontown, where they have room to stick something. Hopefully next is Tomorrowland. But this feels very much like starting 2022 ending 2022 and starting 2023 on the right foot. Iger coming back is just kind of a backtracking to what the company has always done and buying themselves more time to find a more competent leader. And that just doesn't feel very like Disney. Like I, it just doesn't seem like it. It was a big Disney moment, probably the biggest Disney moment of 2022, but I don't think it's the biggest Disney thing. I think the biggest Disney thing is reinvesting into characters, reinvesting into storytelling, reinvesting into parks. And that's what the Toontown closure represents. And I, it's a very optimistic view of the future. And I like it. I agree with you, Chris. No. Down goes Iger in this first round. Michael's eyes are huge. Uh, Mike, did you, have, uh, did you have Big Bobby moving on past Toontown here? No, not really. I mm. just, just for emphasis, honestly. Um, I mean, Iger coming back, in my mind, is a good move for the company, especially on the short, short term, because everybody I talked to, if JPEG was ever mentioned, it was derogatory. There was never right. a positive thing that anybody had to say about him. So obviously, kind of his days were numbered. But And it's like I said about Tantown, there's some more exciting things coming. I mean, having Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway already at Disney World, y'all are going to enjoy that ride. So... Hopefully, a uh, better days ahead for Tantown. Totally. I really hope so. Um, all right, let's move on to this next matchup. So the number eight, Black Panther Wakanda Forever versus number nine, Momentous Nighttime Spectacular over at Hong Kong Disneyland. Let's go, let's go over to Hong Kong for a second. Uh, the past couple of years, we've seen Hong Kong Disneyland take the Toontown Closure event and start reinvesting in their own park. Uh, if you know anything about Hong Kong Disneyland, it's very much a replica of Disneyland in Anaheim all the way through to its castle. Well, the officials there were like, we need to start having our own identity. This can't just be another park like Disneyland. So they reinvested in their castle and they built a whole new one on top of the old one. The old one was a, a replica of Disneyland's Sleeping Beauties, and they essentially took uh, a topper and put it on top of that castle. So this new castle is called the Castle of Dream of Magical Dreams. And it's pretty spectacular. It's huge. Uh, and they were able to preserve the original castle, which is really dope. And along with the reemergence of the castle, they gave us a new kind of fireworks show. Uh, more projections than it is fireworks, but it's a new nighttime show. And it's called Momentous. And uh, obviously, we didn't fly over to Hong Kong to watch this, but uh, YouTube is great. So watch it on YouTube. And let me tell you, man, every time that the Disney company comes out with a new nighttime spectacular, I am just becoming more and more of a simp for projections. Just more, just time and time again, man. Like 
the technology is advancing so far and they're able to do so much creative stuff with projection mapping that this show and Disneyland uh, Paris's 30th is another one we'll talk about. But this show is just so great to look at. Um, one thing that I will ding it for is that we're so used to these parks having fireworks shows and we're leaning very heavily to projections. So there is kind of a lack of balance in that realm of fireworks and projections and, you know, fire. <laughs> you love to throw fire. But basically, Momentous was this cacophony of iconic Disney songs, Disney moments set to a original soundtrack, yada, yada, the same thing that they always do with just a different hook. Um, as I said, the projections were super cool. There's a moment where they turn the entire castle into this like functioning clock that goes along with the music and, and helps to facilitate new scenes. Uh, there's this like dripping of water effect. So there's like a fountain in front of or a water feature in front of the castle. And when the fountains kind of burst up like world of color, the castle reflected the water like dripping down on it. And I was like, that that was just a really cool way to interact with the environment. And then there was like one super cool, two super cool Disney moments of it. Uh, it turns into the Darling's flat from Peter Pan with the city of London and Big Ben behind the flat so that you can kind of like zoom into London and Peter would fly over it. Thought that was super cool. And then they turned the entire castle into an ofrenda at one point for mm -hmm. the cocoa part. And I, it just looked so great. It was it was just awesome. So projection mapping, love it a lot, a lot. As I am with a lot of 2020s, like, like 2016 to 2020s Disney parks soundtracks, wasn't too hot on this one. Uh, it's becoming a little bit rinse and repeat. It's becoming a little bit too generic, too generic pop. Uh, the last great thing that they've done, I think, is the Paint the Night soundtrack because I thought they did a good job with that. But this one felt just kind of lackluster. There's a really, really cool transition moment in this uh, soundtrack, though, where they go from Night on Bald Mountain from Fantasia and we get like a Chernobog scene. Yeah. And it transitions into Hellfire from, oh. from oh. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Baby mm. boy, when I tell you that I ran that thing, I hit the rewind so quick on my Roku so I can listen to that again. It is so good. So good. <laughs> it's oh my gosh. I go everyone go look at Momentus's soundtrack and find the spot. It's towards the end, uh, where Chernerbog and uh Nine and Ball Mountain transition into Hellfire. It is just phenomenal. It's such a cool way to do it. Very epic. Um, and then one other cool moment of the show is they do the whole uh even Wally dance scene, and even Wally kind of fly off the castle. And right in the spot where they fly off the castle, two sparks of fireworks fly off in the exact moment in which the two characters would. So really cool attention to detail, really impressive projection mapping, really blah soundtrack, except for that one transition. But I thought it was an okay um, nighttime spectacular. Wakanda Forever, I talked a little bit about it on the Jerry's Gang Yoda's episode, so you can hear a little bit more about that there. But I thought that this was the best way that they could have taken the next step in the Black Panther saga. I think it did a really good job of paying tribute to the uh, T'Challa and his literal death in life as Chadwick Boseman, but also how they 
kind of had to kill him off here in the MCU. I think that they did a really good job of using that as a through line and how that affects people and characters in this world. Because at the end of the day, what Marvel really wants to do is find heroes that we can connect with and identify with and that we can see as relatable despite their powers. And I think that this human element of grief and mourning is super important. And also highlighting like that there is no right or wrong way to mourn or to heal. And they call that out consistently here. So it was nice to like take a moment in this franchise of death and just like killing as a as a way of getting through something to like really pause and think about the impact it has on a people, on a family, on our heroes. It was just really powerful. The the movie itself I thought was shot so beautifully. I think Marvel can do a really corny job of incorporating slow motion shots into their films. And Ryan Coogler does that here, but I think he does it very tastefully. Uh, he does it in ways that like allow the moment to really tell more of a story instead of allowing the slow motion to show you an effect. Uh, it shows a, it, there's three moments. The, the one moment that has stuck with me is when uh, Queen Ramada's throne room gets blown up by a water bomb and uh, the whole room explodes and Ramada goes flying off. And so does a little Brainiac girl who becomes Ironheart. And you kind of pause and realize that like this is going to be a turning point in the film for many reasons, uh, because you're going to encounter another death here. And it makes you kind of think about it, see it, see the impact that this have and also see the impact or see the power that Namor's like army has. Uh, It's really cool moment, really cool use of that slow-mo to kind of slow down the action and make the audience think Uh, through and through. I think the biggest disappointing factor was I didn't really want uh, Homegirl to be Black Panther. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, T'Challa's sister, Shuri. Uh, Because I I think that it it was just too easy. But the way in which they made her kind of struggle with that choice, I think was really cool. Uh, Her getting, you know, thrown back to to the the astral plane to kind of have to figure out who she's going to be and why she wants to be Black Panther, I think is really cool. I'm being very vague because Big Mike hasn't seen it yet, so I don't want to to throw out too many spoiler ideas. But like, I think that they, through and through, like to tell a Marvel story after all that we've been through with this franchise, I thought it did a really good job. So in this, in this uh, matchup here, like what is the better Disney thing of 2022? And I think that it is Wakanda forever over the nighttime spectacular only because there's been this such a focus on Marvel this year with all the series and all the movies and the literal madness of the multiverse. And we get to get back to basics. We get to get back to storytelling. We get to get back to a story that doesn't make us want to pull our brains out of our heads. Uh, We get to sit and see some character development, sit and see some human qualities out of these heroes without them having to fly through dimensions. And I think that that is really important to the future of the MCU, important to Disney. It's back to storytelling, baby. I'm going to go with Wakanda forever. I'm glad that you called out the Night on Bald Mountain sequence Dude. in Momentous. <laughs> Dude. Uh, the, I, I, I can be very crusty uh, sure. when it comes to like Disney things that like you can tell are produced for like the general kind of part going public not the Disney diehards like us. 
And I like when they dip back into some of that older stuff, you know, especially as kind of a new generation, a new, new generation of Disney fans comes in, you know, uh, the people who are going to grow up with Moana and they're going to grow up with Frozen and, uh, you know, Tangled and in, in Princess and the Frog to an extent, I suppose. Uh, and you go like, how are they going to kind of balance the old and the new and seeing them uh, do the Chernabog thing? I, I really appreciated that. Uh, Hellfire, which of the villain songs is a very powerful, but probably still underplayed villain song. I love that. But starting off the whole show with Baby Mine. <laughs> with the uh, Inside Out theme on the back of it. So it good. Talk a mashup. Yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, I, I turn on this thing and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to hear um some, I'm going to hear a whole new world um, right, and I'm right. going to hear Let It Go uh, and I'm going to hear How Far I'll Go uh, and it's just going to be kind of just your run of the mill uh, 2020s Disney mashup and they hit you with baby mine right off the start and I'm like, all mm. right, you have my attention. <laughs> Uh, so I liked the, I mean, yeah, the mix wasn't particularly as exciting, uh, as it could have been. I, the default obvious, the gold standard for these projection shows is always going to be happily ever after. And so, sure. uh, the mix on that one is just, is just S tier. Um, and the momentous one was not quite as good. The theme song momentous, as you said, felt very generic, but I liked the variety that Momentous provided. I liked the inclusion of the water. Uh, at times, this show did feel like Happily Ever After meets World of Color, yeah. um, which was really cool. But at the same time, I, I really sometimes had a hard time knowing where to focus my attention because there was just so much going on. And that complex castle, that that n new Hong Kong castle that you mentioned, Kyle, I don't know that it's the best for like a projection mapping show just because it is so intricate. It makes it hard for there to be kind of like a, a clean surface to project anything that's like really viewable onto. My question, I'm going to go ahead and be a Disney doomer about this, but I can't help but watch something like this and say, how long, how long until pyrotechnics are retired completely? Yeah. And a show like happily after ever after does a good job of incorporating multiple, you know, the multiples and yeah, there's less pyro than just like a fireworks show and it's probably cheaper for Disney, but momentous just, it felt so light. Yep. On the pyro, it's just like, you know, the, the little shooting star thing, you know, that's really cool. Yeah, they loop uh, that thing up a hide too. Did yeah, you see how high they had that thing? It looks great, you know, and it's <laughs> lit very nicely. So, like, uh, it, it really looks real. But, hey, like, nothing beats an explosion in your face. Sure. <laughs> uh, so, you know, a, a lovely show. Very well done. Very high tech. But uh, I, I I'm kind of I kind of clenching my teeth at the same time. I'm with you with all the Black Panther stuff. Ryan Coogler, let's go ahead and just give Ryan Coogler a little cap tip. Uh, Sacramento State football alum yeah. Ryan <laughs> yep. Coogler, yeah, uh, great director. Um, yeah, I I didn't. I mean, I didn't hate the first Black Panther movie. I, I thought it was a very kind of mid-tier Marvel movie for me. Didn't enjoy it as much as some, but thought it was a sound movie. And one thing that I kind of gave as feedback uh, to this movie was 
I wish Ryan Coogler had a little bit more room to run. Right. And in this movie, I don't think he really got that room to run. Uh, and, and you could see it at times, particularly in the stuff that was not like CGI headache inducing craziness, you know, the, the T'Challa funeral stuff, uh, or like anytime it slows down and it's just like people talking, uh, in like a, you know, a, a practical set or on location, like those are good scenes. Mm-hmm. They're shot well, they're lit well. You can feel the emotional stakes in those scenes. Uh, and that's where the Ryan Coogler stuff comes through. He doesn't have a super deep directing resume. Creed is his, is really his big thing that got him the the Marvel gig. Uh, and and so, so when the Coogler stuff's good, it's great. But again, I, I really wish that they would just let the man, let him cook. <laughs> Let Coogler cook. Uh, I'm with you. Let's move Black Panther on to the next round. Michael, uh, any love for Momentous? Did you have a chance to check it out on the internet? I did, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was I was pleasantly surprised at kind of the first note I had on this stunning ca- castle visuals. Yeah. Like, the castle is really cool, and the Christmas of the show on the castle was really really stunning i mean it's i mean it's better than what we have at magic kingdom currently mm-hmm. but you know happily ever after we'll be back <laughs> very soon cannot contain my excitement enough <laughs> um <laughs> but it's the points that y'all made where it's like you can tell that it's just kind of it's almost like a cookie cutter show like at this point, they they all get so similar, and they're all basing them off of Happily Ever After. That where it's like, is it truly authentic to that park and that kind of like its own nighttime spectacular? Um, but there were a couple of cool parts. The villains, like the villain scene and all of it, I thought was actually pretty cool and something new. But yeah, when, Wakanda uh, forever. When uh. <laughs> I, I particularly like when Ka like slithers down the yes, castle and then he pops really up cool. on the that was water sick. screen. That was really cool. Was and cool. then Facilier just like jumps oh, in and does his whole thing. Anytime Do- Dr. F uh, hops hey. in, it's a showstopper. Hey, absolutely. Um, all right, next matchup. The number four seed, we don't talk about Bruno reaching number one mm. on the Hot 100 mm. versus number 13, Moon Knight. Interesting matchup. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno comes obviously from Encanto, a movie that came out at the end of 2021. Uh, and it, it, it went under the radar. Uh, it had a theatrical release. The movie did actually pretty well, uh, in its couple of weeks out there, but Disney pulled the plug on it very soon and decided to make it a Disney plus release, probably to drive some subs during the holiday season. They dropped it around Christmas and, um, it, the the soundtrack took off uh, in early 2022. So somewhere around, I want to say January or February, probably, uh, we don't talk about Bruno. Reach number one. We we did a review of this movie when it came out, and, and we specifically call out we don't talk about Bruno as being the best song on that soundtrack. And so uh, the, the um, prophecy came true, Kyle. <laughs> I know. We really spoke it to existence. Um, but that was, of course, primarily... Uh, with the assistance of TikTok, 
Yeah. Uh, that was really kind of where the song took off. I'm not a big TikTok user. Uh, me, a social media professional, not a, not a <laughs> no. big TikTok user, like in my, <laughs> in my personal life. So I don't know exactly like how it was being used as a sound on TikTok, like where people just dancing to it or yeah and they would like do a lot of cosplaying to the different okay. characters that had parts in it right and so that was kind of the the like section of song that was uh popular on tiktok uh yep. because this is kind of an ensemble number uh camilo peppa felix dolores they're all in this song kind of as doing little verses uh, and I know we're not talking about the song itself. Like we're talking about the idea of it becoming number one, but like Camilo Madrigal is performed by Renzi Feliz. Yeah. Uh, this is a man who does not really have any singing performance. He's not like a pop star of any kind. Uh, and he's the one that does the seven foot frame. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. And like dude, that part, that part. Then you've got uh, Dolores, though, who she kind of throws down that little freestyle kind of rappy part, uuh, and that's that's Ad- Adasa Adasa. I don't don't, don't really pronounce. know how to pronounce yeah. it, but um, she is a a person with some uh, music experience. Uh, let's go ahead and enlist some of her collabs, please, uh, and some of her tour partners over please. the years. <clears throat> Daddy Yankee, oh, Pitbull, oh. <laughs> Don Omar. Let's go. Yando Iwisin. We've got Missy Elliott mm. and Sierra. Mm. Hey, my mm. personal favorite, Lil John. Let's go. Uh, so she's definitely got some uh, musical experience. She performs as Dolores uh, and she, she drops that fire verse uh, and we don't talk about Brood. I want to give we her finally, a special shout out. We finally get a uh, a Daddy Lynn rap verse that is is done correctly. Yeah, exactly. Feels feels authentic. Yep. Um, and so like that's about it i mean then then the song reached number one so that was cool uh (laughs) brought a lot of love to a movie that i think was was very deserving of some love up against moon knight so this year we got three marvel theatrical releases and we got three marvel series uh and one of them was moon knight moon knight starring uh oscar isaac uh in the title role man was incredible he was so good. Uh, he's yeah. playing Mark and uh, what's his, what's his, uh, what's his other name? Steven, Steven, Mark, Mark and Steven, Steven uh, and Moon Jake, Knight, Jake Lockley and, and Moon Knight. He's like all of these people and he brings like an entirely different energy and attitude to each, each one of those characters. Totally. Um, super, super great performance. Um, I will say, however, this is the show that I officially um, like quit this one yeah uh and it wasn't because it wasn't good but it was because i was like okay i like i now realize that the mcu is not going anywhere specific at this time well yeah and i can i can miss some things like i don't need to do every single thing because i'm not missing anything if i don't watch in succession as it comes out i mean like spoilers were were going off towards the end of uh, the MCU phase three. And so 
you know, that was kind of like the state of mind I was in. It's like, oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what happens. Don't want to know who comes in. Yeah. Like no one there. There are no Marvel spoilers on my Twitter feed any longer <laughs> because like they, there aren't any, you know, like it's just all kind of these shows are all pretty self-contained for now and mm-hmm. we don't really have to worry about it. So uh, Moon Knight, great show, but it also kind of like it took the wind out of the MCU wind out of my sails. A little sure. bit. Uh, Ethan Hawke, the villain uh, in this show, also incredible performance. Very uh, good. Super like um, great at being like uh, mentally manipulative. Yeah. You know, he's uh, like calculated to, through yeah. and through. It's just man. This stuff where they're in the like institution and he yes. plays like the doctor in charge. Yeah. Uh, just just delightful villain performance right there. Really cool. Um I don't love a good, I, I really don't love the mystery genre. Like, I really don't like to be like uh, titillated. I don't like to be like teased. <laughs> I don't like to be led on anything. It's like, oh, oh what's going on? What is it? So oh, mysterious. I, I hate that. that. Oh, I man. like to have the bread crumbs like laid out for me. I like to, you know, have all the information in front of me. I like um, to be able to see the pattern and it's fulfilling to me when the pattern is completed. Right. Uh, that's just, <laughs> that's just who I am as an individual. Yeah. Uh, not saying that that's like the best way to do things, but anytime a show ends or an episode ends of a show and it's like a cliffhanger or it leaves more questions than answers, hate that. And that was like every single episode of moon Knight. It just kept getting crazier and crazier and you never knew what was happening until the very end. And even then we still don't even really know what's going on and, and how this fits into everything. So, um, somewhat of a frustrating show for me, uh, beyond, beyond the, uh, the great performance from Oscar Isaac MCU's it's the new Disney. Like it is the new flagship Disney brand, like what for better or for worse, whether we like it or not. Yeah. The Disney content machine is, is the tent pole is the MCU. Um, we had three and three this year. Next year we have three films in six shows. Uh, so we have on average, probably about a Marvel show a week all year long uh, on top of three movies as well. I don't anticipate myself being able to keep up, but you know, when I'm thinking about the best Disney thing of 2022, I, you know, I'm really thinking about like what's representative of the state of the company right now. Uh, and the state of the company is Marvel. Uh, and the state of the company is picking, uh, big name stars or, or rising stars, uh, to, to kind of slot in, uh, and Oscar Isaac did that moon Knight does that. And uh, I have it advancing over. We don't talk about Bruno reaching number one. Though it is a historical accomplishment. Shout out to Daddy Lynn. Yeah, it's it's a huge moment uh, knowing that Disney has built a lot of these films in its resurgence on the backs of the composers and the music writers and the songs of the films. That's the whole reason why we have the Renaissance, right? It's centered around Mencken and Ashman and the new composers of the day are supposed to kind of carry that torch. And while Moana's soundtrack is phenomenal, uh, the songs feel lackluster because it it was it almost felt like a rinse and repeat. It felt like a the the princess needs her I want song, the villain needs his quirky song, the anti-hero needs his song. 
and finally, we get Daddy Lin, who's able to kind of do what he needs to do to tell a original story uh, based on a background that he knows well. And that's Encanto. And so we don't talk about Bruno is the that back to basics uh, Broadway storytelling in which we get a entire character's origin in a song format. And we get the character development of each character that comes into sync. So it's really great. But the song was made in, in 2021, uh, probably earlier than that. And it hitting number one is, once again, a great moment, but it's not necessarily the best thing of 2022. I agree with you. Uh, Moon Knight's going to move on to the next round. Mike, any issues with uh, Bruno going down here? We don't need to talk about Bruno anymore. Uh, yeah, hey, don't. That's pro- probably not. <laughs> but not for a while. Not for a while. Um, let's move on to this last matchup on this side of the bracket. We've got ourselves the number five uh, Disneyland Paris's 30th anniversary versus number 12 Disney Wishes Maiden Voyage. Disney's out here with another cruise ship and uh, they're investing in this cruise line year after year now. So much so that they sent a new boat on its way this year and they acquired a new boat this year uh, that was already halfway done. So they're they're and they uh, revealed at D23 that there's going to be a new destination in the future. So like they're really leaning into this cruise thing, which is super interesting to me. Chris, I know you're a cruise guy. Uh, I mean, you've done it it at least. And I have not. uh, Let's let's go ahead and let's go ahead and just uh, clarify. uh, You got a boat. You got a boat. uh, I went, on one <laughs> Disney cruise one time and you have a boat uh, for it. because there are people who are cruise guys and oh, cruise yes. gals yes. and I am not one of those. Okay. <laughs> because cruising is a whole lifestyle. Uh, so, so I don't want to say I'm a cruise guy, but between the two of us, I do have the most experience with Disney cruise. Cool. Disney got a new ship. Is that the best Disney thing? I don't think so. I think a celebration of a anniversary of a park that they're really trying to make happen is the better Disney uh, thing of 2022. The Paris anniversary, in my mind, did a much better job at celebrating this occasion than Walt Disney World's 50th did, by far. Uh, they, it felt more cohesive. It felt more thought through. Uh, they developed a logo that made so much mm. sense. Y'all know this logo, baby? Oh, the the oh. 30, which is just like a Mickey ears kind of turned on its side. It's so stylistically appealing to the eye that merch was flying off the shelves and finally finally we have disney producing good merch you just have to be a fan of disneyland paris to get it Mm. Uh, they had a new show a daytime show to celebrate called dream and shine brighter day parade which was not necessarily a parade it was a parade to a stage and then a stage show and i watched it and Man, uh, it had some new decorations around the park, as all of these parks do. They included a new like gardens walkthrough attraction called the Gardens of Wonder to celebrate it. There was a, a new nighttime spectacular that was drone based uh, that was called Disney Delight D-Light. Uh, and it was mostly just projections with some drone work. Drones were cool. Felt really disconnected from the rest of the show upon watching, but the projection show was better than Momentous, in my opinion. Huh. It was phenomenal. Uh, overall, I think that this is the way 
that Disney parks in the past were celebrated with one cohesive moment, one cohesive plan. Uh, and we haven't seen that since arguably Disneyland's 50th. So this feels very Disney. This feels like the most Disney thing. And it's definitely better than a maiden voyage of a cruise ship. So I'm going to go with the 30th. Kyle, I don't know how deep you kind of dug into the Disney wish. Uh, and I know... Surface. I, surface. Yeah, literally. Uh, literally. Surface level. Um, Disney Cruise, its first two ships were world-class vessels. Mm. Uh, leagues, another another ocean pun, leagues above the competition in terms of like craftsmanship and detail. Uh, and it was a, a tribute to the elegance of the cruise, the, the, the leisure cruise of the past, uh, Titanic. Um, that, you know, just like that kind of the, the ocean liner where you'd spend weeks on a boat and, uh, the Disney cruise line was, uh, trying to recapture that sort of magic, uh, and it successfully, um, uh, I don't care what you say about cruises. Uh, my goal for us as friends is to get you on a Disney cruise boat one day. Hey baby. Hey, let's, you don't have to convince me. I'm super down to do that. I I've pitched it. Uh, Chris is in my groomsman party and I once pitched like, what if we just went on a booze cruise and got shut down immediately? So Chris, <laughs> you and I will definitely go do a Disney hey, cruise. They, they leave a hey, San Diego port of calls. That's what I'm Mexico. saying. Hey, I've happens. been getting those Instagram ads. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been getting those um, Instagram ads. But the Disney wish is the newest boat. Uh, and it is not just the newest boat. It is the largest boat. Uh, it is the first ship in Disney's Triton class of Disney cruise vessels. And so, unfortunately, I think that this boat is representative of kind of the state of the company and that it is a lot of uh, pizzazz. Uh, mm. But when you look closer, it's really kind of a rush job. Oh. Uh, and so a lot of the reviews of the Disney wish are that looks great on the outside, super uninspiring on the inside. Mm. Really seems like they cut a lot of corners. Really seems like a lot of the logistics were not very well thought out. Uh, even down to like simple things like this is the biggest ship you've ever created and yet you haven't added like more elevator banks <laughs> and like, <laughs> oh, you know, no. you've removed stairwells and, you know, like stuff that's just seems like basic hospitality. Uh, by all accounts, obviously I've not been on the ship. By all accounts, Disney Wish was uh, a lot of corners were cut. Uh, and so it, it really kind of feels like Disney not trying to like, oh, um, let's go ahead and show a new audience the magic of Disney. It's like, let's create another revenue stream and let's get as let's suck as much uh, money out of people that will uh, simp for Disney as we can possibly get. Uh, so while uh, it's definitely not a good thing of 2022, it does feel like Disney in 2022. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and agree with what you're saying about the Paris 30th anniversary. Uh, 50th, uh, let's go ahead and leave the <laughs> Walt Disney World 50th out of this, uh, oh, Kyle. Man. But uh, 
you know, uh, between these two, I definitely think the pair's 30th anniversary is going to have to advance. Uh, Michael, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, we haven't thrown you any ties uh, your way yet, but uh, did you happen to, to look into the Disney Wish at all? So I haven't looked too much into the Disney Wish. I, as well, I'm not really the biggest cruise guy. Went on a Disney cruise when I was like a child, and the only memory I have is puking on it. So um, (laughs) it sounds like adult me. Who who among us? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I mean, Disneyland, the celebration, it's, I think it's uh, better just because it's a whole celebration. It's like a combination of many things. And Kyle, please leave Disney World out of this. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I just like, had to compare. We, we we had to we had to plan this through a pandemic. Sir. <laughs> so different circumstances. Shout but out, but yeah, Kite I Tales. think a <laughs> shout out Kite Tales. I was there for the last day of it, so <laughs> had to get one more view of a Simba dropping in the water. Hell yeah! But yeah, I think good choice here. All right, the next matchup, it's the number two Andor versus number 15, the Rebirth of Oswald. This was this the Rebirth of Oswald, such a symbolic moment for the Disney company uh, in, in like a very wholesome way uh, in that Oswald was was uh, stolen from them by uh, Pat Powers. Is that Was that the guy? Yeah, like, that, that Universal baby. That's, that, that's said, the guy. I think that. that's I think that's the guy. Yeah, Pat Powers. Bat, 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 way back in the day. I mean, yeah. if if Oswald, if Oswald was not stolen, we would not have Mickey Mouse. No, because uh, Walt would have ridden uh, Oswald all the way to the top, Ozzy. And uh, and so Disney got Oswald back from Universal because they traded Bob Costas, or was <laughs> oh, it Al Michaels? Uh, Al Michaels. Oh, yeah. it was Al Michaels. Michaels. <laughs> Traded Bob Costa. One for one. Yeah, Give me the rabbit. You guys can have a new <laughs> sports announcer. Uh, like a straight and, up trade, man. Yeah. So um this year, uh actually like very recently, just like a few weeks ago, uh, they dropped the first Oswald the Lucky Rabbit animated short since 1938. 28, but cr- yes, crazy. <laughs> crazy. Uh, almost a hundred years since we've yeah. seen Oswald on a new Disney thing, and uh, it was short. It was quick. It, it maintained a lot of that classic animated short kind of humor. Oswald's in an old timey movie theater, and there's like a, a cat girl who's like making a kissy face, and he tries Hortensia. to jump on. The- That's his girlfriend, Hortensia. <laughs> Hortensia. Uh, and I don't know. He takes off his, he removes his ears and cuts and I don't know. Go, go watch let it. Me, let me, let me, let me, let me really quick. Are you going to shot for shot breakdown? This let me not work. shot for shot. I want to like give a, a little bit of background onto like Oswald and like who he is. Go ahead. Because this has been a rabbit hole for me for the past few years is like this Oswald character is so bizarre. And one thing that they really leaned into was like, the the he, he came to life because he needed to compete with Felix the cat, which was a big cartoon at that same time. So what's a character that they can make that's an animal? A rabbit. No one had a rabbit yet. So they made the rabbit, gave him the ears so that he looked different than the cat. And what made Oswald different is that they allowed him to break any rule that he wanted. 
So he was able to use his limbs in different ways. He can turn his arms into rope. He can take his head off and throw it somewhere. He can turn his body into a gun. Uh, He could do whatever he wants. And so that rubber aspect is really that Ub Iwerk specialty. And that is why this short is so comically Oswald, this new 2022 one, is because in the short, he uses his body, his limbs to accomplish tasks in ways that like other characters don't really do. So Oswald is known for breaking every rule because that's what made him different for the day. That's all I wanted to say. Sure. At the same time, though, this feels like a a flex or like some type of like proclamation of victory, like uh, Disney putting the flag down on the moon and saying, we won. After all these years, we won. He's back. He's home. He's here and he's perfect. Um, this is one that like, uh, I mean, I, I know you're way more into kind of like the new uh, version of Mickey. Uh, so this yeah. is one I'm sure we're going to kind of see pay off in the future. Uh, for now, we, we just really have the one thing. He was also in like a like a fashion collab uh, mm-hmm. advertisement thing. Um, but Oswald hasn't really moved the needle very much, but he is home. As of 22, Oswald is home. He is in new Disney content, and that is cool. Yep. Uh, and especially, cool. and, and this is um, being being tied into the Disney 100th uh, anniversary, uh, 100 years of Disney as a company. And so I think looking at 2023, we will probably see more of him, uh, and it will be a little bit more ceremonious in, in the way that he's used. Yeah, totally. Unfortunately, our boy Oswald is up against Cassian Andor. <sighs> In the series that is Andor. I'm not done with Andor. Uh, I have about two episodes left, uh, but I, I think oh. I can, for the <laughs> most part, I can, for the most part, speak on the series. Uh, and as the resident Star Wars expert guy. Uh, not the last two episodes. <laughs> hey, buzzer beater. Like I said, buzzer yeah, beater. Hey. That's fair. That's fair. Um, super good. Super good, y'all. Yeah. Super good yeah. show. And yeah. the thing is, it's not just good for a Star Wars show. It's a good TV show. And that is always what Star Wars has been missing since the very first movie. I, I took improv in, in high school. I, I wasn't like a class, but I was in an improv group. And something they said was, don't try to be funny. Try to be normal and naturally people will think it's funny. Right. Uh, and, and that I feel like Star Wars could can stand to, to kind of have that attitude where like instead of trying to make Star Wars, just make a movie and then just put a little Star Wars skin on top and that's a good Star Wars movie. And, 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 and there have been so many things where they've gotten really close. Like Rogue One was, was so close, but... I was distracted by a lot of the, you know, over, they, they, they dialed up the Star Wars elements a little too much at times um, to try and like remind everyone like, hey, don't forget you're watching a Star Wars movie. Don't forget, don't forget what happens in the next movie. This is the movie you know, remember? Yep, yep, yep. So far, like I said, I still have a couple more episodes left. So far, I have been so pleased in that they haven't talked about Jedis. They haven't talked about Darth Vader. Uh, I haven't seen Princess Leia yet. Now, all of this can go out the window in about 15 minutes, but uh, 
this show is not about any of those things. And it's about Cassian Andor, who, yeah, we've seen him in a movie before, but it's about, but there are so many other characters that this movie focuses on as well. Uh, homeboy, who's like the, the guy who got fired from like uh, being a tryhard, yeah, and he talk, ends up at back at his mom's house talk eating about cereal. Most hateable characters in the I universe. Love Ugh, that guy. Geez. Not not from like a oh, right. like I like it, but yeah, from you just love the from character. A, oh my, he's it's so good to watch. Yeah, it's it reminds me of Norman Bates in Psycho. Sure. Uh, it, it's like, it, hey, spoiler alert for Psycho. Uh, if you've never <laughs> seen Psycho by now, you you should have. But if Norman's mom was still alive and actually talking to him, uh, this is what this is what the relationship would look like. Just like totally insufferable mom. Uh, you, you got a full grown son. Uh, anyways, uh, I like that Andor has the courage to really slow down and focus on a lot of the human elements of the star Wars, uh, and, 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 um, kind of the other thing that Disney has done in this new generation of star Wars things is uh, star Wars visions. And that's the other thing that I think I really like because it takes a step away from all that step away from the Skywalker saga. Who cares about the Skywalkers? We, we, we know everything that we need to know about them. Uh, and so, there's there's uh, billions of other people in the galaxy, so let's focus on some of them. Let's focus on what they have to think about the rebellion. Let's focus. Let's focus on what they have to think about the empire, uh, and this show does that. And and there's also a good amount of like political intrigue as well, uh, which is super cool. Uh, yeah. The the woman who is like trying Just, to to sniff out Cassie and Andor, uh-huh. uh, and she sits on that like council. I don't know what her name yeah, is. Yeah, the but, the security council. Um. And like that stuff's really good too. I mean, a lot of a lot of people talking in rooms, and like that is a recipe for success in my eyes. Uh, absolutely love it. I mentioned in our uh, 2022 Patreon Disney Awards episode that while this is a great Star Wars show, it is far from forgiving uh, or redeeming the sins of <laughs> Star Wars in the past 25 years, but. Uh, it's it's a step in the right direction. It is proof that someone at Star Wars, someone at Lucasfilm, someone at Disney knows what's broken and they know how to fix it. Uh, so so as Princess Leia sen- says at the end of Rogue One, it represents hope, and uh, that's why I love Andor, and that's why I'm advancing it uh, in this matchup. Yeah, it's definitely Andor here. Uh, Andor shows that the Star Wars is a multifaceted war. It it's not just the Skywalkers traveling through and trying to help on these missions. There are so many things happening behind the scenes, and Andor brings that to life. And they don't shy away from letting us know <laughs> just what it takes to fight in this war. One of the big themes is this idea of sacrifice, and they really punch us in the face with it from episode 10, 11, and 12. Uh, so, Chris, I think that you're going to be pleased uh, with the last couple of episodes. I agree. Andor is definitely going to move on here past Oswald. I'm signing myself up because I'm selfish for it to do an entire Oswald deep dive for Jerry's gang because there's a lot <laughs> I want to talk about, but this doesn't, it doesn't belong here. Jesus. Uh, so... Oswald's going down. Mike, sorry, not a tiebreaker again, but were you going to have Andor? 
hundred percent. I love Andor, so can't wait to talk more about it. Yeah, we'll dive in even deeper next time. Uh, next matchups number seven, Pixar turning red versus number ten, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We've done many eps on both of these, uh, so if you're part of the gang, you've heard our in-depth thoughts on both of these films. Uh, big takeaways: I love turning red. I texted Chris after Doctor Strange and said, I'm out. (laughs) I told him this is the moment in which this is Chris's Moon Knight moment. This for me was a there's too much happening. I don't want to keep up with it all anymore. I'm done trying. And it's because they were they're They're continuing to kind of just expand the MCU. It feels like to me who's, you know, I'm not star wars guy i'm not marvel guy i'm here trying to just have fun and st- and try and understand where we're going it feels like the mcu doesn't understand where it wants to go therefore they're going to open up every single path that they possibly can so that when something clicks they can run with it and dr strange felt like that to me chris brought this up on the yodas he brought this up on the uh dr strange miniseries he felt like, or the mini episode, he felt like this Doctor Strange gave uh, Rami the the room to be a comic book movie director and get back to what the comics are about, which is a lot of zany, a lot of intrigue, a lot of character development. And I think it does that very well. I agree with him wholeheartedly with that. But I just, I wasn't the fan coming out of it that many were. One big silver lining for me is Elizabeth Olsen. I think that she does a phenomenal job as Wanda. I think that she, as the Scarlet Witch, is going to play such a a massive part in the rest of the MCU until her demise. And she just put on a performance of a lifetime and has since the stones went away. Uh, this is she's just such a great character in the MCU. And it's this film is up against Turning Red, which I absolutely adored. And I broke this down in Yoda's a little bit and in the mini episode, but like the way that Pixar has sort of recalibrated itself and allowed other people who aren't named Pete Doctor or John Lasseter to go ahead and tell a story in Luca and in Turning Red and do it in a way that like, hey, we're a little bit afraid of diversity here, but let's go ahead and give them the keys and let them try and they knock it out of the park because guess what? We're all humans that are related to each other. We're so relatable. <laughs> and even though I'm not a prepubescent girl going through puberty, I can still relate to May's entire journey of feeling like they need to be a people pleaser, need to adhere to what their parents want, what their family wants, what their friends want, and navigating that system Because we were all kids in that situation at one point in our lives. And it was just such a creative way to do it while not just giving us a Toy Story animation again. We're allowing the director to really put the spin on it. Give us a little anime. Give us a little bit of something different. Mix in some traditional animation into it. Like It was just such a phenomenal flex of animation and storytelling that I feel like really gives that Disney touch. Now, I will say... That the most Disney thing of 2022 is this investment in MCU and MCU expansion and all of that. But I think that the better Disney thing is the storytelling and the reinvestment into good storytelling that they give Turning Red. 
Chris, number seven's moving on for me. That's a 100% accurate assessment. Um, Turning Red is the most original thing that Disney did this year. Uh, And in a lot of ways, that makes it a diamond in the rough. But (laughs) (laughs) hey, in a lot of ways, that makes it a black sheep as well. Sure. So uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is my new favorite MCU film. Uh, It is is number one for me in the power rankings. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the cheese. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed trying not to let my eyeballs roll completely into (laughs) the back of my head while I was watching it. Uh, Literally uh, pick up one comic book and read it and you will understand uh, why everything you hate about this movie uh, is 100% appropriate uh, and it is exactly what the MCU needs. Uh, my favorite Batman movie is Batman and Robin, uh, the, the one that most people hate uh, specifically because of this, you know, this idea that like comic books should be stupid. Uh, comic book movies, they should be filled with puns and over the top characters and dumb dialogue and like things that are unexpected and, um, make you frustrated. (laughs) And, and this movie was just filled with that from, Doctor Strange having a uh, music note duel with a zombie version of himself uh, to, um, you know, a, a, a much anticipated cameo uh, from an MCU actor and a Marvel character uh, and his head being blown up in a matter of seconds of him being <laughs> on the screen. Uh, loved the way that this movie felt like it pissed all over the MCU. Uh, and as, as someone who has kind of become a, a Disney curmudgeon in a lot of ways, I, I ate it up uh, and wanted more when the credits started rolling. So I have Dr. Strange moving on here. Uh, Michael, you've got your first tie. Giant talking red panda moves on. <laughs> there you go. All right. Fair. Fair no, um, I, I, I mean, I've read up and I listen to y'all's pods. So obviously I know something about that. But um, with the Dr. Strange thing, I've heard it was just a lot to, a lot to comprehend and that Scarlet Witch was the highlight of the film and it being a Doctor Strange film and him not being the highlight of the movie, I think is just kind of a big red flag. As in, I mean, Turning Red has, it's just like Kyle said, it's bringing diversity into Pixar. It's continuing on this new plan that they definitely put out. And I mean, I like the direction they're going with it. So give me more of that. All right, next matchup. It's number three, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind versus number 14, Miss Marvel. I'm sorry, Miss Marvel, uh, did not watch you, uh, did not watch your show. Uh, I'm sure it is lovely. Uh, I'm sure it has its its highlights. I'm sure it has its yawn-inducing action sequences as well. Uh, but as I said, Moon Knight really made me kind of reconsider my relationship with the MCU. Uh, and unfortunately, Miss Marvel was a casualty of that. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind was a roller coaster I got to ride in 2022. <laughs> uh, and, and just based on that information alone, like that the only thing I can do is advance Guardians here. I'm, I would be interested in your take on Miss Marvel if you ever got around to watching it because it felt like a return to kind of the comic book zaniness that they haven't done in these series for a very long time. 
Oh. Uh, there's a lot of kind of goofiness. There's a lot of, you know, child hijinks. There's a really, really awfully good uh, like high school raid scene in which they have to use things around a high school to like distract the it's very home alone <laughs> of them. And it feels on par with that stupid music note fight. So I'd be interested in seeing what you thought of it. But it's definitely has some of those more like serious, maybe a little too heady uh, scenes and, and episodes that you would definitely kind of yawn hmm. at. Uh, but it was a good origin story. I like Miss Marvel a lot. I like her. Her real name is Kamala. Uh, I like that she is this big super fan that is able to turn into kind of a Miss Mar or Captain Marvel reincarnate. And we're going to see her again in the Marvels. Uh, but I'm going to agree with you. Haven't been on Cosmic, Cosmic Rewind, but guess what? Watched a 20-minute walkthrough of the queue and then did a POV video ride on YouTube. Uh, don't recommend. Don't do it. No one watched the POV ride on YouTube. It's not good. Uh, but I liked how they attempted to shoehorn Marvel into Epcot and it's awful and it's cheesy and it doesn't work and Terry Crews is awful in it. But I will say that that feels on par for 2022 uh, MCU into the parks theme. Uh, shout out Avengers Campus being the worst place on earth. Uh, so I'm going to agree with you, Chris, but it's it's not because I like it. It's because it feels 2022. Michael, you've definitely been on it. Did you watch Miss Marvel and would you have had a different pick here? So this matchup is really sad because I really, really like Miss Marvel as a TV oh. show. I thought it was light, comedic. Yes. It so it kind of, it, it gave me Spider Man vibes in a way. Hmm. Like as a TV show. They definitely lean into the like clumsy teenager trying to mm -hmm. find their way element that they do with Peter Parker here with Kamala. I agree with that. And I mean, I like that because we don't like they don't just become superheroes like overnight. And so seeing like Kamala's journey to becoming Miss Marvel was I thought it was really nice. And I can't I hope that she is in definitely more Marvel projects coming up. But Cosmic Rewind <laughs> is a juggernaut. And I cannot wait to talk more about this in the next episode. Yeah, I can't wait for YouTube to talk more about it because uh, <laughs> I don't have too much of perspective on it. Final matchup of the best Disney thing of 2022 round of 16. We've got the number six Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser versus the number 11 D23 Expo. Uh, feels like both of these are very Disney 2022. Uh, we have a, a big letdown in both. Uh, we have an exclusivity issue in both. Uh, we have a, a priciness in both. And we have a kind of a meh experience in both. Uh, and so let me talk about Star Cruiser first. It was announced years ago that they were going to build this immersive hotel stay based on Star Wars. In 2021, we got a little peek into it. And then in March of 2022, their first voyage went out. This experience is incredibly immersive. From the minute that you arrive on site through the, your exit, you are part of a story. Uh, you get to tell how much of the story you want to be a part of it, but you kind of, anytime you're in public, you're susceptible to being interacted with. So, aka Kyle's nightmare of a hotel stay. Uh, don't want it. 
but I also like that it exists. I think I I yeah. like that Disney took a big swing. Uh, a lot of times it feels like they play it safe. You know, let's renovate Toontown and add a Mickey ride. All right. Well, how about we make this very pricey hotel stay in which you are in the Star Wars universe. You get a ticket to Batu and that's it. And you can't leave. Huge swing. And I think that's really commendable by them. Uh, once it launched, it was sold out for a few weeks there and then has kind of steadily remained open. And it hasn't been, I don't think, a failure on the revenue side, but it definitely isn't the hype that maybe some of the blog sites want to see in which it's like sold out every single time. You want to know why? Because the lowest rate to stay there for two adults is $4,809 for a two-night stay. Jesus, man. So like, maybe it's not sold out because it's not meant to be sold out. How about that, Mice Chat? Uh, it's meant to be this like once-in-a-lifetime excursion in which you're in a cabin for two nights. You have this ongoing, immersive, interactive entertainment. You have food and beverage at your disposal. Uh, you get admission into Batu, and then you have you know parking in a magic band. Doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're twenty four seven for two days going through this experience in which you feel like you're you're living the Star Wars life, then more power to you. So while I think that it is an overpriced, uh, you know, exclusive experience, I commend Disney for taking the big swing at it. Uh, the reviews for people who do stay have been positive. Like people don't walk away saying like that sucked, maybe because they invested over 5K into it, but also maybe because they actually did enjoy it. So I like it. I think it's a great idea. Uh, And I hope that like they use this as a case study for more things like it that maybe more people can attend. So Star Wars Star Cruiser, pretty cool idea. Maybe not the right execution. And it's up against D23 Expo, which isn't that (laughs) it's this expo that they've done for years now and here they are uh, putting on these panels and exclusive interviews and all this stuff and usually they're announcing something usually they're letting us know what's coming up and this was really a letdown Uh, they didn't give us a whole lot of information as to the future of the company they didn't give us a whole lot of information as to the future of the parks Uh, They usually do. And instead, they ended it with this entire segment of what if we did X, Y, Z? What if there was a Coco Land behind Big Thunder at Disney World? What if we did a villains thing behind Big Thunder? What It was just like, here's some ideas. Ooh, maybe we can judge by the applause if people would like it or not. Like, that's not what these expos are about. And that's not what they've been about. This was like an anomaly of D23 Expos, and I feel bad for the people that had to go to it. It just didn't live up to the hype. It was not what it was supposed to be. And so I think in 2022, while a lot of it was a big letdown, I think that like gearing towards Star Wars and that trying to find a new way to get new people to engage with the theme park product by providing this exclusive excursion with their kind of investment ticket, like cruise ship stuff. This is a crew, space cruise. Uh, I'm going to do Star Cruiser here over D23. Yeah, like you said, these are basically two letdown experiences. Uh, the idea that the grand finale of the parks panel was presenting concept art for things that they don't even plan to do was pretty strange. Uh, when the last time we did this, it was like, you know, concrete announcements and and stuff like that. 
felt, I mean, the, the thing that we kind of gathered from, from D23 was like, they're trying to double dip. They're trying to take your money by giving you access to this seemingly exclusive event where they're going to announce the latest news but not actually announce anything, but then probably announce it on the blog a few weeks later and make you click and then they get traffic and ad revenue from that. So uh, really kind of shady move, I thought, by Disney uh, to, to do it that way. Didn't like it. Uh, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, like you said, the exclusivity aspect is, is a problem. Uh, it's being perceived as a failure, but ultimately it is a good idea. I think it, it, maybe the execution wasn't perfect, but I think this is, uh, something that I think they can build on and learn from. Uh, and, and I would like to see more of it from Disney. Uh, so that does it for that much matchup. Michael, uh, do you agree with that one? Yeah, I think the I think the concept of the Disney Star Cruiser is really cool. Whether the execution has been completely done right, I think that can be discussed further. But I will say D23 did announce was the announcement of Happily Ever After coming back. So well, there you that go. Was pretty cool. So. Which which is very 2022. Hey, big announcement. The thing is coming back. <laughs> Next year. Next year. <laughs> the, the thing we definitely know you already like uh, is coming back. It's coming back. Uh, get ready, Magic Kingdom. Main Street Electrical Parade coming to a main street near you. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. All right. That brings us to the end of this round of 16 matchup. Next time, we're going to pick up at the Elite Eight that looks like this. Number 16, the closure of Toontown versus number eight, Wakanda Forever. Number 13, Moon Knight versus number five, Paris, Disneyland Paris's 30th anniversary celebration. Cross the bracket, the number two, Andor versus number seven, Turning Red. And the number three, Cosmic Rewind, Rewind is going to go up against the number six, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser to round out that last matchup. Michael, thank you so much for joining us for part one. Uh, you didn't have to do a ton. think it might get a little bumpy in the next one. So we look forward to having you back. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to see where this goes next time. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about the year 2022 that was Disney, uh, did we miss something? Do you want to talk about uh, something that happened this year? Email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and join us at the $5 level by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang. We'll see you next week, folks. And remember, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs>